Thank you, Steve. Well, it's, uh, it'll have given you the impression that I left my notes at home and was trying to think, what shall I say today? Uh, but uh, I, have, I have come prepared. <laughs> we, we've been um, singing this morning and, uh, and worshipping, and uh, it, it's all about Jesus. And uh, we, we've been, in a way, declaring the gospel to one another that Jesus died on the cross. He lived a life without sin, but he died on the cross to pay the price for our sin. And having done that, he was in the grave for three days and then wonderfully was raised to life again and is now ascended into heaven. And we sort of take this for granted when we gather on a Sunday and uh, we, we we sing about it, and sometimes the words of the songs uh, declare something of the gospel, and uh, sometimes they sort of assume that we know that uh, gospel, and uh, that, that we've, uh, we, we're just full of praise about it. And the great thing about the, the death of Jesus on the cross is that he has paid the price for our sin, and in some mysterious, marvelous way, we share in his resurrection. So death holds no fears for us because we know that we too will be raised to life again when Jesus returns. And this, this, is, this is a glorious truth. In these times of uncertainty, it gives us a great anchor, a great hope, a great assurance. And we find ourselves giving our attention to Jesus when others around us are worried about the cost of living or their fuel bills uh, or the war in Ukraine or uh, the cost of gas and uh, or COVID and there's much around us to worry us isn't there but we've got this great assurance this great faith that is a gift from God because we've put our trust in Jesus and today I want to talk a little bit about how we share that with others who don't have that same trust that same assurance may not even know who Jesus was uh, or that he was raised from the dead and that he lives uh, still in heaven ever interceding for us these wonderful truths that we take for granted others around us just don't know I grew up at a time when uh, there was almost a daily act of worship in schools and uh, there are a few in the room here who would have, would have had that same experience that isn't the case now so kids are not growing up with that kind of truth somehow as wallpaper in their lives and they don't as they grow up, understand the references to Jesus. They think Christmas are a great time for presents, not bothered about what it's all about, same at Easter. And we've got a mandate, a responsibility to share the good news about Jesus with folks around us. Before I talk about how we might do that, I just wanted to say a little bit about the baptism in the, in the Holy Spirit, because uh, we, we've talked about that this morning. We said, we said, come Holy Spirit, come and help us. And um, we, we saw last week that, uh, that the disciples were gathered together at Pentecost. They were, they were praying and the Holy Spirit came upon them wonderfully and enabled them to speak in different tongues and to praise God in all sorts of different languages. And there was this wonderful baptism and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And Jesus had promised this we'll see that in a moment and the Holy Spirit 
came upon them in a wonderful way. And as others heard the gospel and responded to it, they were sometimes filled with the Spirit there and then, or sometimes they just got baptized in water and uh, thought, great, I'm trusting in Jesus. And only later were filled with the Spirit. There's a little little bit in uh, uh, Acts where... uh, um, well, I won't, I won't uh, pause on it for, for too long. But um, Philip uh, and Peter and others share the gospel. And sometimes the Holy Spirit comes upon people wonderfully. And sometimes the Holy Spirit comes later. They, they pray for folks who've, who've received the gospel but haven't received yet the gift of the Holy Spirit. And as we talk about life in the Spirit this term, my prayer is that everybody here would uh, be filled with the Holy Spirit wonderfully. And if, if that isn't your experience, then uh, we'll be praying over this term. There'll be opportunities to say, can I, can I find out a bit more about this? Can you help me to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Can you tell me what it's like, what it's about? And... Uh, There'll be an opportunity later this morning as we break bread together perhaps to, uh, to, to pray for this for one another. All right, well, let's, uh, let's have a little look at the scripture. This morning, uh, uh, the, the scripture that we're, we're asked to look at is Acts uh, chapter 1 and verse 8. And Jesus is about to go uh, return to heaven. He's, he's been raised from the dead. Uh, and he's about to return to heaven, and he gives this wonderful promise to his disciples. It isn't the first time that he's promised the Holy Spirit to them, but these are almost his last words before he ascends into heaven, and he says to them in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And so there's a link between the Holy Spirit coming, that they're receiving the Holy Spirit, and being witnesses in Jerusalem. And we see this in the very next chapter, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit comes upon them wonderfully, uh, and people think they're drunk, and uh, uh, it's just, you know, it looks a bit chaotic, and uh, uh, people from all around uh, the, 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 the Eastern Mediterranean, the Roman world, uh, they hear them speaking in their own languages, so all sorts of different languages being heard. So there's, there's something uh, crazy uh, going on, something, something radically different. And Peter explains it by saying, well, the Holy Spirit has come upon us. Uh, and this was what was promised by the prophet Joel, and we'll, we'll look at that in a moment. And the Holy Spirit wonderfully enables us to share the gospel with folks. So we're not on our own as we do it. Jesus could have said to his disciples, right, I'm going to heaven now, off you go. And he had sent them out previously uh, to, to pray with folks, to, to heal uh, the sick, and they'd come back and reported on what had happened. But there was something more here now. Jesus was going to return to his Father in heaven, and he was promising them uh, an anointing, a baptism in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit being poured out on them. So there's a sense of commissioning here. There's a job for them to do, but there's also some power for them to do it. He wasn't leaving them on their own, but he was sending them with the Holy Spirit. He said, wait until the Holy Spirit has come upon you, uh, and then 
you'll be my witnesses. And Paul, the apostle, uh, later on goes on various missionary journeys. We, we, we preached through the book of Acts, didn't we, last year? And we saw Paul going to different places. And um, when he gets to Corinth, uh, he, uh, in Acts chapter 18, I think it is, he, he uh, speaks to people there and uh, establishes a church. And then later on, he writes to them a letter about it. And he says, um, when I came to you, he writes to the Corinthians, I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom as I proclaimed the testimony about God. He's, he told them the gospel. I didn't come with eloquence or human wisdom, for I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. So all he told them was about Jesus, who'd died on the cross and been raised again. He says, I came to you in weakness, with great fear and trembling. And we feel like this, don't we, when uh, we feel God saying, go on, tell them the gospel, tell them the gospel. <laughs> really, really, what are they going to think? <laughs> Paul came to them in weakness, with great fear and trembling. Not surprising, really, because by the time he got to Corinth, he'd been beaten up, he'd been in prison, he'd been stoned. Uh, you know, he's, he's had a, a tough time. He shared the gospel all around Asia Minor and, uh, and northern Greece. And he, he's, he's, he's not always been received well. So he comes to them with fear and trembling. It's a new place. My message and my preaching, he says, were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power so that your faith might not rest on human wisdom, but on God's power. So as he comes to, uh, to each new place, he's full of the Holy Spirit, and uh, he preaches a very simple gospel. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't dress it up. He doesn't, he doesn't uh, make it a, a long, complicated argument. He simply says, I know this. Jesus, the Son of God, died for us on that cross. He paid the price there for our sin. Three days later, he was raised to life again. And we wonderfully share in this hope of resurrection. And in the, in the account in, uh, in Acts of his visit to Corinth, we don't hear about lots of miracles, but here he's saying, I, I came, I preached with, with the power of God and uh, the Holy Spirit. So uh, we've, we've got this, this wonderful capacity within us if the Holy Spirit is with us to share the gospel uh, in a glorious way. We, we have a responsibility to share the gospel. Jesus gave his disciples this wonderful mandate, go and be witnesses. And uh, he said, um, he said you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to West Earlham, even to Norwich, the ends of the earth. And so we're here. Uh, this, 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 is, this is where we are, but there's a responsibility here on us who have received the gospel and have responded to it to share it with others. And this echoes the commission at the end of Matthew's gospel where he says to his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And I'll be with you always to the end of the age. So he's, he's returning to heaven, but he's always with us in the person of the Holy Spirit wonderfully. So this... this this mandate to keep sharing the gospel rests with us here, where we are, uh, in Norwich or in Reading. Uh, some dear friends with us from Reading this morning. And uh, wherever we might be living, where we live in future, we'll carry with us this mandate to be sharing the gospel. 
And all we have to do is to share the simple gospel, just Jesus Christ crucified, and God will do the rest. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, I planted the seed, somebody else, Apollos, came and watered it, gave some further encouragement, but it's God who made it grow. Only God makes things grow, and uh, uh, wonderfully, it's the power of God at work as we share the gospel that brings about transformation. So it isn't our job to persuade people or to coerce them into the kingdom of God. Our job is just to share the wonderful gospel and see God do his work. Paul says in Romans, I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God that brings salvation to everybody who believes. There's power in these as we share the words of the gospel, a very simple truth of what happened to Jesus. There's power in those words. And God transforms the hearers. And sometimes uh, we see them saved. In Psalm, right back in the Psalms, 127, I like this verse because it's written inside the lighthouse. I grew up in Plymouth, and, and these words are written inside Smeaton's Tower on, on Plymouth Hoe. Uh, and it's the first verse of Psalm 127. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, those who labor build in vain. And uh, that, those words are there because two previous lighthouses had been swept away. <laughs> and this lighthouse survived. Eventually they took it down because the rock on which it was standing was beginning to fail. And so they transported it to Plymouth Hoe and put it back up there. But it's got these wonderful biblical words inside it. Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers work in vain. And we're not laboring in vain because God's building his church. And as we share the gospel, his Holy Spirit's at work. So what are we called to share? Our responsibility is to share it. What is it that we are called to share? It's this very simple gospel. And um, he, Paul says, I, I, I didn't know anything with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Sometimes Paul would introduce the subject of Jesus by saying, if he had a Jewish congregation, he, he would say, this is the Messiah that the scriptures were pointing to, the Old Testament scriptures were pointing to. This was him. And we killed him. And he died on the cross. But he rose again. He, he was crucified but he was raised to life again. So sometimes there's, there's a bit of context, as Paul says, who Jesus is. He explains that, that he was the Messiah that, that the Jews had been waiting for. If he was preaching to uh, a congregation not of Jews, but of, of people who didn't know the Jewish faith and scriptures, uh, he, he would simply tell them about Jesus. And everywhere he went, people responded to the gospel. It's the same with Peter and the other apostles in Jerusalem. Thousands of people were saved as they heard the words of the gospel. They were cut to the quick and said, what should we do? We've killed the author of life. What do we do? Just repent. That means turn your back on your sins. We were singing this morning, I lay it all down again to hear you say that I'm your friend. And that, that's, that's our response to the gospel. We lay down stuff in our lives that has seemed important to us and we say to Jesus, no, I want your priorities. I want your friendship. I lay it all down again to hear you say that I'm your friend. Now, this, this sounds a bit uh, foolish. We just, we just preach about somebody who lived and died 2,000 years ago and was raised to life again. 
But Paul says, well, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Some people will say, well, that's rubbish. <laughs> you know, I don't believe it happened, or if it did, so what? You know, other people will say, you know what? I'm cut to the quick. I'm, I, I hear what Jesus has done for me, and I want to respond. And uh, Paul, Paul preached with that confidence. He knew that some would reject his message. His experience as he went along was that some would, would respond uh, in a, uh, uh, a robust, unpleasant way, stoning him or beating him or putting him in prison. So he's, he's, uh, he's had a hard time, but, but he knows this is the gospel. He isn't to dress it up in any way. He's just got to share this very simple gospel. And he's been obedient to his calling on the Damascus Road. He'd met with Jesus there on the Damascus Road, the risen Jesus. And out of that experience of meeting with Jesus, he shares what he knows to be true. And for each of us, we've got a different experience of meeting with Jesus, some more powerful or, uh, or, or amazing than others, some quiet, but in different ways we've all met with Jesus. And if we haven't, the invitation today is, is to do so. Uh, and to say, Jesus, I lay everything down again that is in my life. I want to hear you say that you are my friend. And that invitation is there week by week for us. So what can we expect when we share the gospel? Well, uh, <laughs> we can <laughs> happily, we're, we're not often uh, stoned or beaten or thrown into jail. Or it depends where you are when you're sharing the gospel. We lived in Dubai for a while, and if we'd stood on the street corner and said, just want to do some preaching here, tell you about Jesus, we would have been moved along to the local jail. Because although there was a tolerance there for Christians, we could meet uh, as a church uh, on a specified compound. Uh, we, we were not able to sort of proselytize, to share the gospel openly on the street. And to do so would, would have meant prison and, and perhaps being deported. Other places in the world, it's more challenging. So North Korea or uh, perhaps in some of the um, uh, other Middle Eastern states, other, other places, uh, we, we might find ourselves um, facing real physical threat. But there are brave people who are there sharing the gospel. And here, the worst that happens is somebody says, thanks, I'm not really very interested. Sometimes we get a slightly more Anglo-Saxon response than that, but we generally come to any harm here. So there's no real risk in sharing the gospel, but some of those that we share the gospel with will be amongst those who are uh, appointed for eternal life. In Acts 13, 48, uh, it, it describes those who heard the gospel and responded as being those who were appointed for eternal life. God's got people around us who don't know the gospel yet, who when they hear it will respond because they're amongst those he's identified as, as ones who will respond to the gospel. And it's a powerful gospel. It's the power of God unto salvation. Uh, that's why it provokes a response. Sometimes, you know, it's a negative response. No, I don't want that. Sometimes it's, it's a positive response. This is what I've been waiting for. This is, this is, I wish I'd known this earlier. Now I understand I'm all in with Jesus. It provokes a powerful response a life-changing, heartwarming experience of the power of God. Now, it isn't up to us to produce that effect. <laughs> that is the work of the Holy Spirit. So all we've got to do is share the gospel, and the Holy Spirit does the rest. It's up to God to give it life, give those words life uh, as people hear them. 
and he causes it to grow and bring uh, fruit. So the promise of Jesus was his disciples would receive the Holy Spirit, they'd be clothed with the power of God and uh, that they could then share the gospel to, to witness to others. And many of them were, of course, original eyewitness, uh, eyewitnesses to what had happened. They, they uh, had seen Jesus die on the cross. They'd met him after he had uh, risen from the dead. And uh, so they had a, a powerful testimony. And they were transformed from being fearful uh, people who were hiding in uh, an upstairs room to people who suddenly were on the front foot sharing the gospel in public in Jerusalem and uh, around Judea and Samaria. So uh, the Holy Spirit had produced a powerful change in their lives too, enabling them to share the gospel in a wonderful way. And it's for all of us. We might say, oh, well, that's great, you know, lovely for the apostles who saw Jesus die and saw him raised to life again. They were eyewitnesses what had happened. What about us? You know, 2,000 years later, we don't have that same eyewitness capacity. But what, what Peter had said when the Holy Spirit was poured out at Pentecost was to remind his hearers of what the prophet Joel had said hundreds of years before. He'd said, I'll pour out my spirit on all people. This is what God has said. I'll pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. And those words, young men, in, in Greek, sometimes you see something in, in the sort of masculine, it means men and women. It's the same in French today, isn't it? You see, so it's on everybody, young men and women, young, old men and old, old, older women uh, will dream dreams, will see visions. Even on my servants, just to underline that, it says both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So that it's not just something that's limited to the disciples 2,000 years ago. It's something for Christians in every age. And the baton is with us today. The responsibility is with us today uh, to be witnesses to what had uh, happened at, at uh, Jerusalem all those years ago. Jesus dying on the cross and rising again. And as, as the baton is with us, so is the Holy Spirit. That's the promise here in Joel's words, that we'll all receive the Holy Spirit if we put our trust in Jesus. Jesus had reiterated that promise, I'll send my Holy Spirit. You'll be clothed with power from on high. So the Holy Spirit wasn't just restricted to those who uh, were eyewitnesses to what happened to Jesus. We see later on other people filled with the Spirit, people like Philip, and Stephen, who's described as a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, men moving in the power of the Holy Spirit. We see Philip's daughters uh, uh, doing so uh, later in Acts. There's a little sort of sidelights on them. So it's for men and women. It's not just for, uh, for men. And uh, as each one is saved, the Holy Spirit comes and fills them, and then the baton is with them to pass on to others. And that's how it is with us today. We have, we have responded to the gospel. We've said yes to Jesus. I lay it all down again. I want to hear you say that you're my friend. And we've, we've got this responsibility like a baton in our hand to pass on to others. And it's not just one baton. Once we've given it away to one person, great job done. No, we, we can tell two, three, five hundred people that Jesus has died and 
raised again to life is now living, interceding for us and longing for us to respond to the gospel. So what's our responsibility? It's to share the gospel anywhere, everywhere, to the ends of the earth, even here in Norwich. What can we share? We just share our own testimony, which is that we've met in our own way the risen Lord Jesus, and he has transformed our lives wonderfully. And uh, like Paul, all we need to share is that Jesus was crucified, raised to life again, uh, and is living now to intercede with us. We're sharing God's anointing as we do that. It's an anointing on us, but we're sharing it with others and causes a powerful change. What can we expect as we do that? We can trust in God that as he's given the Holy Spirit to us, we'll see lives powerfully affected and changed as we share the gospel. So we're not just going out sharing our own frail words. We're sharing something that is inherently powerful and life-changing. And some will say, no thanks, because they, they react to, uh, to, to what is powerful. And others will say, oh, yes, I've been longing for this, and I want to respond positively. Now, I'm conscious that we, uh, we all have different experiences of, of uh, sharing the gospel. Uh, we've all probably tried it at different times, and uh, uh, we sort of stumble over the words a little bit, and uh, God helps us to share the gospel that's part of what the Holy Spirit does. He gives us the right words to say. And all we need to do, therefore, is to speak in faith. So uh, it's not difficult. We've, we've all got to do is talk about Jesus dying on the cross and being raised to life again. Uh, there's no complicated argument that we need to uh, use or long words or anything difficult. It's just straightforward. And as we, as we share the gospel, we're sharing something about being in Christ together. And uh, I wonder if, um, uh, Johnny, uh, you could tear yourself away from the lovely Moses and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, uh, and come and play. And we'll, we'll perhaps break bread together. We, as, we, as we share this, this little wafer and uh, a little bit of grape juice, we're doing so in a way that expresses our community together, but also with Jesus. And we're saying, uh, yes, we're a part of this gospel community now, and uh, we, we acknowledge this responsibility to live well for Jesus and to share the gospel in the power of the Spirit. And uh, as we do this, um, we'll just take a moment. There may be things in our lives that, we, uh, that we're thinking, mm, I regret this or I regret that, but uh, let's, let's just give those over to God quietly. And um, we'll, we'll, we'll just take this, uh, this little bread and, and wine together. We're going to have lunch together in a moment. There's more community there in that too. But uh, this, is, this is a wonderful opportunity, not just to say something about community, but to receive something from God. When uh, the disciples on the road to Emmaus meet up with the risen Jesus, they're walking along the road. They don't recognize him. And it's at the moment when he breaks bread with them at Emmaus, that they realize it's Jesus. We've been walking along the road with Jesus. And then he, he disappears. And they, they immediately rush back to Jerusalem to tell their friends what they've heard. They, they respond to this wonderful meeting with Jesus. And there's some power released there. Just as they're breaking bread together, that there's something wonderful happening. And they're breaking bread with Jesus. And in a sense, that's what we're doing as we break bread together. It seems 
you know, how can this little, little tiny capsule of, of, of bread and, and, uh, and grape juice help us in this? It's an act of faith that we're doing something together. We're declaring our community with Jesus. But we're also saying, Lord, please, would your Holy Spirit come upon us, help us to share the gospel, to minister this wonderful truth to those around us who are in such need and such desperation at the moment and help transform their lives. God will come and transform their lives. So let's, uh, let's do this together. Just I'll read some scripture. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, took bread and when he'd given thanks, he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So this, this little bit of bread is a reminder of the body of Christ, broken and uh, crucified on the cross. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. So the juice is a reminder of the blood of Christ shed for us, washing us clean. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. There's something powerful about the gospel here as we do this. We're saying Jesus died, but he lives now and will return. And we will be raised up with him at the end. And as we share this together, we're saying something prophetic to one another, but also to the world around us. That this is what we believe and we're in faith for and we believe God's going to move powerfully amongst us. Johnny. <laughs>